Welcome to Jews on Film. My name is Daniel Zana. I am a documentary filmmaker and a video editor and still a Jew. With me, as always, is my co-host, Harry. Hey, what's going on, Daniel? I am Harry Adensasser. I'm one of the eponymous Jews on Film. And we are joined this week by a special guest. It's PJ Grassaro. He's culture writer for The Forward. And uh, PJ, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, well, you said it well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, PJ from The Forward. Um, I write about all sorts of things, some of them being Jewish films, some of them not so Jewish films that we need to find some sort of Jewish way into. And yeah, that's about it. I uh, recently um, actually, and I think that this is how uh, Daniel found me, was I, I recently uh, did uh, 125 uh, Jewish movie scene list uh, for our 125th anniversary. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Jewish film, I guess. <laughs> so happy to be on the pod. Yeah, we're excited to have you here, especially in this episode. I'm going to make several jokes throughout the uh, episode because uh, our film today is The Plot Against Harry. And that's the name of this podcast now. We're plotting against you, Harry. Yeah, no, I was very confused watching the movie, oh, yeah. all the Harrys sort of thrown around. Exactly. Right. It was an right. auspicious choice for film. There was but... a lot of that in this, yeah. uh, in the film. I felt like everyone is just talking, to, oh, Harry, come over here. And I just like, it was very funny. <laughs> I but always we'll, jumped. Triggering. Yeah, yeah exactly. a little bit. <laughs> totally. I wanted to ask before we, we jump into the film itself, uh, PJ, you know, growing up as you did, as we all do, what was your background with like film and Jewish film specifically? And if there's any specific call outs for titles that influenced you or, or had an impact on you growing up? That's a good question. Um, yeah, well, I, I was always watching movies and I guess I sort of I wouldn't say I gravitated towards things that were Jewish. But obviously, when you see something that is very much that, of course, you it's kind of what what uh, resonates with you. I can't say that I was like a huge uh, Woody Allen household growing up or anything like that, but definitely Mel Brooks and things like that were in the canon. And then as my Jewish filmic education continued, uh, sort of accrued more, get into some weird stuff, which I think that this film today sort of qualifies. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, a specific title. I'm trying to think if I have uh, no pressure, a no pressure. very vivid Jewish memory of, of watching a film. It would probably be the producers because just, God, <laughs> you know, the, the musical about Hitler, <laughs> you know, Mel Brooks really sort of taken the piss out of him. And it was my mother's favorite movie. So that was one I was introduced to early and you can you can't help but uh, be following Mel Brooks, <laughs> right. sort of his influence and his sway. <laughs> yeah, we we did Blazing Saddles for one of our earlier episodes, and we haven't really dipped back into the Mel Brooks well just yet. But all of his movies, whether about you know Hitler and like that comedy, or just you know nothing at all to do with the Jews, like a movie like Spaceballs, he's always going to yeah. work in a lot of Jewish references, a lot of Jewish yeah. culture in there. So we enjoy talking. Although I don't about know him. if. 12 chairs uh, fits that necessarily. <laughs> I've never seen it, but we'll find uh, a way. It was like a good challenge. Maybe, yeah, we'll, exactly. maybe we'll, we'll try that one. <laughs> I wanted to also ask you two questions about the movie that we're discussing this week. So first Please. of all, I just wanted to know, you know, you said you had this list of 125 Jewish film scenes. Did mm. anything from the plot against Harry make it to that list? And yes, actually, so, yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> so, and then the follow-up was just going to be, you know, what made you choose this movie? And Right, Absolutely. Seemed, it was difficult because I'm sure we'll get into it. There are so many. And I sort of cheated it when I when I wrote it up because I was like, oh, there are so many good ones. 
but I thought that the Always. best one is this <laughs> uh, Harry, who is this small time uh, numbers guy, uh, racketeer, um, but big enough to have to testify against one of his criminal associates. <laughs> right. Um, right. He is uh, on the elevator. He's living in a hotel. Um and this woman who is the friend of his sister says that, you know, he's a disgrace to the Jewish people. And she leaves yep. the elevator and the elevator operator closes the door, turns to him and says, You're Jewish? Yeah. Your phone is stopped. Oh, yeah? And then you cut to the next scene and he's making a call. He's calling in numbers from, right. from a different location. <laughs> so That's that was the one that made it. But uh, I, I cheated it a bit with the bris moment. <laughs> too. I can work that into. Yeah. Oh, I love that you picked that scene. And I love that you also clarified to me exactly what the elevator operator said. Because it was like, it was slightly lost. <laughs> Hard to make out. Oh, okay, yeah, I know. Yeah. I tried to rewind it and catch it. And, and that scene is just all the more funnier because of what it said. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did like, I mean, we'll get into it as we often say, but like, I did like the sort of jumping from scene to scene and having these sort of transitional elements, you know, whether it's go-go dancers or like food cooking or something to just really like hard cut to the next scene. We'll get into that. But I wanted to give Harry's first question or second question rather to you. Yeah. Uh, yes. Obviously. Yes. Sorry. Why the film? You know, why'd you pick Yes, it? why this film? I can I can tell you that. And I'm realizing I said Morty Feldman probably instead of Marty Feldman, but we can we can fix Make that in editing. You also <laughs> called him Igor instead of Igor. Igor, that's right, of course. Yes. Well, this is that's what a so clearly I'm I'm more up on the producers than young Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but um so about ooh. When was it? Like six months ago, I was told about a screening of this film called Vengeance is Mine that was uh, coming to Film Forum uh, here in New York, where I'm based. And uh, it's by this director, Michael Romer. And uh, I think I had heard his name, but I'd never really seen anything by him. You know, his films aren't shown all that much, which is that's a whole big part of his story. Right. Um, but he was going to they were showing this film, which I think had only ever shown on television. Um, it was a film with Brooke Adams. It's sort of, it's, it's a weird kind of film. It's, it's kind of like a melodrama, but like subverting some tropes uh, about melodrama. And it's set in New England. It's kind of like his interiors almost in a way, but mm -hmm. like, um, <laughs> but maybe with a little bit of a different touch, but I was inter I had the chance to interview him because wow. he was coming to uh, New York and talk a little bit about his films. He's only made four, I think. Um, and this was one of them. And um, it's very much unlike his other movies. Um, and I would, you know, I watched it and I couldn't believe what I was watching. You something from 1969, which, didn't really see the light of day until 1989. Um, right. And just, I, it felt really contemporary in a way, even though everything, all the trappings of it are so clearly rooted in the time and place. Um, and just knowing when it came out and in terms of what people were willing to do with Jewish representation on film, it felt really sort of ahead of its time. And I think that that was maybe part of its problem. Uh, Goodbye mm -hmm. Columbus came out the same year. Bit of trivia, he was actually asked to direct Goodbye Columbus, but was working on the plot against Harry. Oh, wow. Uh, at least that's how the story goes. And, you know, 
it didn't have the benefit of being based on uh, Philip Roth book. So yeah. Um, But yeah, just so funny and weird and strange with all these crazy set pieces. And like you mentioned, the go-go dancers, the the lingerie runway with these Lawrence Welk kind of bubbles. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it, it was incredible. And it was, it had some certain, some Jewish humor that, that I hadn't really quite seen. It almost felt sort of like a prototype of uncut gems almost, you know? Ooh, yeah. Um, I see that. It comes up yeah. every episode that movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, it comes with the territory here, obviously, because, you know, For sure. we're, we're dealing with gambling and everything. Um, but yeah, just showing a Jew in this sort of unsavory light. Uh, I don't know. It felt, it felt really, kind of dangerous to me and and cool and something that that had aged better probably than it had initially been received. We've spoken about this in the past, but, you know, sort of all representation, if you're going to represent, you know, certain people, certain culture can be great. And even when you have some of these unsavory characters and people that are a little bit more complicated, like, you know, that doesn't bother us. It's great to just see someone on film that's so, you know, unapologetically Jewish and just also has his, you know, gambling, his racketeering. You know, that's just part Mm. of the character. He was, I'm sure there were real people just like him that, you know, just like Harry Potter (laughs) that lived in, you know, in 60s New York the same way. So it was great to see that. I'm yeah. trying to think of which scene. Oh, maybe it was like towards the end where where they're on like the heart telethon. That's sort of like kinetic energy where it's just like cutting back and forth between like Harry lying down and then you have the hosts and then you have the phone calls. There was just a there were a few scenes where there's just like a lot of different things going on at the same time. And it was just I think maybe because of the mixing or because maybe the fact that I was just like hunched over a couch on my iPad watching this last night. It was just it was like sort of frenetic and crazy, uh, but definitely yeah. feel that Uncut Gems vibe in there. Yeah, um, there's so much going on in it. And uh, I mean, it's 80 minutes. Right. <laughs> he packs so much into it right. um, that, you know, you can lose some subplots or forget who characters are. And it kind of blurs by real fast. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we're introduced to so many people. I mean, the setup is very quick. And we're introduced to so many people. I didn't want to get too far. I do want Harry to kind of let us know what it's about. Um, he's giving me the sign. He's giving me the IMDB sign. I didn't forget, Harry. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> before I get too far, Harry, please, if you could hit us with that IMDB summary. All right. You might be disappointed to hear, though, that I'm going to cheat a little bit this week. I honestly, there was an IMDB summary. I didn't really love it. So I'm going with a different one that I found that was better. This is, I, you know, I, I won't lie to our audience. I'll call it out. So if you go, if you've been going to IMDB to sort of double check our summaries and just make sure that, you know, I'm reading what's there, you're not going to find it this time. I found a, a Rotten Tomatoes one that I actually thought was captured the film a little bit better. So okay. uh, without further ado. A dour Jewish mobster, Harry Plotnick, is finally released from prison after doing time for two decades. Returning to a very different world, Harry tries to ease back into his criminal ways on his old turf, but it soon becomes clear that he is thoroughly outmoded. When he encounters his ex-wife, Kay, and the now adult daughters that he doesn't even know, he decides to clean up his his act. Can Harry really turn over a new leaf? Mm, Leaves us with a question. That sounds (laughs) great. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back as we discuss the plot against Harry. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We are here with PJ Grissar, culture writer for The Ford, and we are talking about the plot against Harry. Where to begin? I mean, we mentioned it earlier that 
this film's a little bit zany and all over the place, but it does kind of start just very chaotic at top. Like you mentioned, PJ, we're in the jail. We hear the clanking of the silverware and the chopping up of the food and everyone's kind of marching around. And we are introduced to Harry Plotnick, a, like you said, a gangster who is finishing up his time in jail and we start with him getting released. But yeah, any thoughts on the opening and the way that they chose to open it kind of similar to the heartbreak kid that we did last week, where it just kind of starts sort of in media rest, as they say, um, any thoughts on that? The one thing that I, that, you know, came across to me is we obviously get it like a couple seconds of him in prison kind of before he's released, you know, they kind of establish him. He's become this sort of, you know, working, maybe sort of more of a little bit like straight shooter just because he's been put to work in prison and we, we right. see him, but during some meat, and, you know, Jewish, my Jewish lenses were on and I definitely got to the think of sort of like Jewish butcheries and like deli cutting and just like there was something and that that was the activity that they kind of spotlighted for him. So it felt like a little bit of a characterization, you know, just from the outset, because we don't really see any anything else in prison. It's just that, you know, just a very cool lived in scene, you know, where he's butchering sure. the stuff. So maybe that was a little bit of a Jewish lens, but I was like, oh, this guy feels like he has some deep New York Jewish roots, you know, butchering right. meat. But that was just kind of my read. Yeah, absolutely. The Romer's first film, uh, Nothing But a Man, kind of has some sort of almost neorealist sort of features in terms of how it's all put together and how it's filmed. Um, and then, you know, there are some uh, notable uh, notable people in the cast, but a lot of them were sort of amateurs. And this one is like all pulled from temple, uh, like, like synagogue yeah. theater groups and things like that. Ah, okay. So, so awesome. that's sort of the, the, the sort of throwing us right into that. And even just sort of the black and white of it, it almost sort of reminds me of that. I mean, it's not exactly bicycle thieves, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's something with in his montage that he likes to get into, to some gritty things. And then we're sort of off into this way more fanciful kind of realm. So totally. Yeah, I mean, he immediately comes out, starts giving his chauffeur Max a hard time about getting the dry cleaning, and then he's shaving in the car and taking meetings in his like stretch limo. Uh, he's got his like corded phone taking yeah. calls. <laughs> he's doing. He's just right back into it. He's got the numbers. What are the numbers for this? What are the numbers? He's. It's almost as if he was never gone, you know, just yeah. continuing the business. But it, it clearly like sets up this very competent person business wise. Um, and then, you know, as the film progresses and he eventually meets up with his family, it shows that like, while he is a competent numbers person, family wise, he may be a little bit lacking. Yeah. It, it definitely feels like that scene, you know, he's leaving the prison and this is obviously, you know, for the audience too, it's sort of introducing us to his world before prison. You know, it's really like a scene set up and we, we get to hear from Max, who's I thought an awesome character and oh, very funny. And he like, and he's driving into this community and like he's putting himself back in sort of, you know, the Jewish shtetl. Like you're walking around, there's like Yiddish on the radio. I pointed out there's, mm -hmm. you know, there's like, he's passing these restaurants that are like, you know, kosher on the sign, you know, written in Hebrew. And there's just, he's like, He's, he's definitely, he's, he's part of a certain environment. And when we start to meet other characters that don't necessarily fall into the sort of Jewish community, I think we get that sense of what was alluded to in the, in the summary that I read before, where it's just, things don't look the way that they used to a year and a half ago or however long it was, you know, that he's been in prison. And as much as he's like coming towards the familiarity of his shtetl, soon he's like, he's getting sort of pushed to the edge of that. And that's when he starts to meet these new characters who have kind of taken over his turf a little bit, right? He's a mobster who lost his sure. footing because he's been away. It was, it was left in the hands of Max. And, you know, the, the impression you get from Max when we first meet him is that he's, you know, he can't really run the streets on his own. That's kind of how I read that. 
Oh yeah, no, definitely not. And I think I like the the humor that we get about six minutes into the film, where he he brings in some Spanish speaking associates, and one of them speaks English somewhat, and then they bring in a third person uh, in the front seat, and then there's. So sorry, Mr. P. Sure, he owes me twelve hundred bucks. What are they saying? They're very nervous, Mr. P. They say Big Julie make big trouble. Tell them I take care of Big Julie. It's that whole like back and forth. I thought was really nice. It's sort of setting the table for like what sort of comedic scenes um, we could expect. And then very quickly, I think you know, at about twelve minutes in. He already, like our inciting incident happens. He's driving on the road with Max and then he gets into a car accident. And it's almost, it sounds like they push them over and like intentionally hit them. Yeah. And then he realizes that in fact, he got into an accident with Leo Perlmutter, his ex-brother-in-law. So his ex-wife's brother. Um, and that's when he reunites with Kay, his ex-wife and sees her. And it's a big family reunion. It's also his daughter, who is now married and has a kid in her arms and then one on the way. I'm getting, you know, he, we, we were calling him like a, like a gangster. He, he's, he's really sort of Mike and Michael Romer, when I spoke to him, made this point is like, you know, in terms of criminals, you know, these guys are sort of, you know, he's, he's not, um, he's not lucky Luciano. Sure, you know? sure. He's um, so I'm, I'm guessing that he, he just like was always sort of in and out of jail. And that's, that's sort of the sense. Right. I got. It wasn't yeah. so long that he couldn't sort of pick things a little bit back up. And he knows right. these, uh, you know, these Puerto Rican guys that he's talking to sure. um, one of whom ends up going to jail. And yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh he does do a lot of jail time, but like you said, there, I almost, uh, I was looking around or just thinking about it, there wasn't actually that much violence in the film other than like the car accident. There's no like beatings, shootings, any sort of traditional tropes that you would have in like a, in a gangster movie. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, uh, simchas in this movie, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a lot of, there's, there's two Jewish weddings and a bris, um, lots of food, but around like, uh, you know, I think pretty early on, we, we have a, we have a wedding, we have kippahs, we have klezmer music, we have lots of dancing and um, yeah, it's a very, very happy movie showcasing a lot of what's going on in Harry's life. He's, he's around a lot of, of happiness and a lot of ceremonies. And I think, you know, Leo who runs a successful catering business, uh, you know, tries to partner up with Harry or Harry, I should say, wants to partner up with Leo. He presents him the opportunity and they um, do some negotiations that'll become important later on. But yeah. What did you think of that candlelighting ceremony at the, at the, uh, at, was that, that was at the wedding, right? I think it was a bar mitzvah. It was, it was a bar mitzvah. mitzvah. Yeah. I can yeah. say there's so many, there's so many simchas <laughs> going on. It's hard to know. <laughs> yeah. So this is a second one. So we had our wedding at the beginning and then later on, I think there was a bar mitzvah. Yeah. But yeah. And I like, one of the reasons we're trailing all these is because like you said, you know, Leah was sort of the head of this catering company and, right, yeah. you know, a big threat is that. You know, uh, Harry's just following him around, kind of trying to learn this and is interested in the business. And, yeah. you know, it's funny, I, I didn't even put this connection together when I had said this originally, but, you know, obviously we see him butchering meat in that first scene in the prison. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's food yeah. feels like it's just, it's it's this new gateway in, right? One mm -hmm. of the things he's trying to do now, especially because Harry's lost a lot of his footing, you know, within the sort of mob world, within the gambling racketeering. And, you know, part of this also, there's, there's a big thread that I think starts at this point where he's also trying to be a little bit more honest and a little bit more, you know, he sees his 
family, his daughter again. And he's just like, maybe I should try this sort of alternative business. So he, he starts saying, he's like, he wants to put the money towards, you know, helping support Leo's, you know, catering business and kind of splitting it with him. And that kind of sends him on this trail to all the different, you know, like you said, all the different simchas. And, and that brings us to that bar mitzvah you were mentioning with the candles, which I, I will say like, I had seen that. I had heard of that being a custom. I've seen at weddings, sort of mm-hmm. when, you know, the family kind of walks down the aisle holding these, you know, candles that, you know, I don't even know exactly offhand what it's supposed to signify, but, you know, something about, you know, new life and lightness, I'm sure. And uh, I had never seen it at a bar mitzvah, but I did ask you about that, Daniel, before we recorded. And you said that, that it did kind of make its way into bar mitzvahs too. Candle lighting ceremonies. Yeah. I yeah, mean, do you know more about the history oh, of them well, or just the yeah. practice? <laughs> well, I feel I. I don't know. I don't know when the custom started. I mean, that was always a big part of B'nai Mitzvahs when I was growing up, just sort of having people coming out. And, you know, as we see here, this is obviously a very elaborate one. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt. Um, And I think it's like usually 13 candles because, you know, it's like, yeah. um, 13 years old. But but just the names, the list of names of the people as they're coming through and sort of... (laughs) walking uh towards the yeah <laughs> just incredible we we forgot to mention i think pre pre-wedding is the first time that harry sort of uh he, he feels a little bit under the weather and uh he has uh what he thinks is a heart attack spoiler alert um but uh i think that's when he sees the doctor and he's checked in under a fake name Shapiro. 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 that's yeah. it yeah and this doctor says that he has too big of a heart for his for his body so that'll become important later on in the film but just wanted to sort of plant that seed here and i believe he has a first encounter with his other daughter who he then goes to another the scenes kind of play back and forth (laughs) so quickly that i'm like is the lingerie show like in the other room like i don't understand they went from (laughs) the i believe it's from the wedding like right the next scene his daughter's like demoing her her modeling of lingerie and his ex-wife is there just all kind of mushed together yeah. but it's his just, daughter yeah. that he finds out that he he had uh that because right. Kay was the pregnant. second one he yeah. didn't know yeah. she was pregnant exactly so right. his introduction to her is when right. she's doing this dance at a, like a lingerie show right right yeah so and uh he's you know very proud of her she's dating and jack jack pomerantz thank you harry Jack Pomerantz, uh, he's the shul president, the catering head kind of thing. And I think it's his son, maybe. Ah, okay, got it. Yeah, there's, like I said, there's so many, you know, there's just like a lot of names. We have Harry's like Jewish, his actual family, his like Jewish shul family. And then there's also all the gangsters in his life and how mm. they fit in. Because like you said, PJ, it's an 80 minute movie. So it's really quick. And you like they talk about Julie at the beginning of the movie. So I figured, oh, Julie is his wife. No, the Julie is a gangster that we meet one time. And then after that, we don't see Julie again. I think, you know, it's just a lot of. Yeah, this was a very sort of chaotic movie, not chaotic, but just, you know, I had a hard time sort of getting it all. I had to keep very sort of uh, fastidious notes, but yeah. Yeah. One of the big threads that I don't want to miss, you know, as we're moving on to sort of scenes with his daughter is that, you know, he wants to, we we mentioned he has this big scheme that he kind of wants to purchase this, uh, you know, this catering company, run it with, you know, Harry. But one of the big issues is that 
they're, they're in a very sort of tight-knit Jewish community. That's kind of the sense you get. And mm-hmm. uh, the rabbi of the community doesn't want Harry to be an owner of it, of the catering company that's going to obviously service the community in the form of, you know, the different, you know, Simcha's celebrations. And he says, I don't want him to give that money because it's uh, because it's money from gambling. So they mm-hmm. need to get the rabbi's approval for him to actually join it. And I know right. I made a note of that just sort of being like this sort of, you know, church and state kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like a lot of these, you know, Jewish communities have a real blending of just, you know, this is obviously commerce, this is finance. Like, obviously it's related to these religious ceremonies, but there's a real, you know, there's a real cultural kind of, I mean, I used the word shtetl before, but just this like sort of tightness in the community that, you know, is preventing preventing Harry from, right? Because then we're going to talk more about this. And I, I have a lot to say about the sort of name of the movie, this sort of plot against Harry, uh-huh. right? And okay. this very dramatic, his, you know, everyone's sort of out to get him. And it feels like all he wants at this point, you know, he's starting, we're starting to see his motivations kind of after he's given up this sort of dream of taking over his block again, because that kind of has come and gone. He just wants to almost repent. I mean, we're, we're going, I'll go straight into the Jewish ideas. He sure. kind of wants to repent. He wants yeah. to go back and he wants to take the money he made from gambling and give it to something that'll service the community and give it to, and, you know, get re- reintegrated with his daughter that, right, like we said, he didn't even know about and just kind of join into the fold a little bit. But there's all these things that are preventing him. And it's like, well, can you, your money's not really clean. So then he, you know, and we'll go through with the plot, but then he has these schemes to kind of get it approved, but then other issues come up and it's just like, you know, what is this plot against Harry and what is it preventing him from doing? And I'll, I'll leave the question here because I have some answers that I want to save for when we get back, but sure. just wanted to get that question out. If you guys had any thoughts, because, you know, that's obviously the, the frame of the movie, right? It's the title of the film. PJ, you can go first. You're our guest. I want to, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely that that theme of, of of teshuva and him trying to 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 make right with things. Um, but then, you know, as you were talking, Harry, it's kind of reminding me of this sort of unfortunately perennial uh, dilemma within uh, <laughs> Jewish institutions, which is, what do you do with money from you know wealthy people who maybe got the money in ways that you don't really like very much and um or or is later revealed to be um from a sort of unethical enterprise you know like uh bernie madoff comes to mind (laughs) and and that question is explicitly asked when he goes on the radio show you know someone says like what are you gonna do with like when he says i'm you know i'm joining the fold again i'm repenting he's like what are you gonna do with all the money you said and then he kind of says i'm gonna donate it to charity and there's this sense of like okay, you know, we don't want to not take the X thousands of dollars that he wants to give to us, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's that very complicated, like reckoning with our past. And it it just for the thematic tie and it's that shuva. It's like, how much can you give if you're, if if you want to return from your sort of quote unquote sinful past, you know, what do you have to give up? Do you have to cut it off completely? Can you use the money that you made? And it's, it's one of the biggest questions of the film for sure. I think the, um, the plotting sort of seems that like the world's against him, or at least he thinks so. You know, I think he has, like we said, he has his like Jewish world and he has his like professional world. And those two are like very different at times. It can sort of seem that like everyone is against him, but I just want to flash forward to the end of the film, that sort of final scene where like this whole mob of people come to see him at the hospital and they're just like elated to see him. So it's like, he may think that everyone is against him, but really like everyone loves him and is so excited to see th- that he's there and, you know, doing fine. So but do you know, they love I think him it's... because he gave the money. That's the question. Oh, oh <laughs> right. It's yeah. after he's made the big donations, yeah. which <laughs> right. he only gave. And we'll, let's get to this in the plot, but he only gave <laughs> right. it because he thought he was dying. Oh, like it's, sure. yeah. it's all very funny. 
But yeah, that's yeah. true. I think, I think at a certain point, uh, his wife or ex-wife doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but yeah. Um, exactly. yeah, that's right. I think you're, you're, uh, you're spot on Harry. Let me, let me, let me breeze through a little bit of this, but, uh, totally. I think, um, you know, throughout the film, Harry's going to more Simchas. He's also going to more, um, meetings with ex associates and trying to reclaim some of his business. We mentioned, uh, I think there's a Tony that we talked to. We talked to uh, Julie at the boxing gym. We talked to Tony at the at the golf course. So a lot of good lines here and there. Pretty much everyone is just like, forget it. You're done. You're kind of washed up. The business is, you know, in someone else's hands. Just take it easy. Like, you know, I think yeah, Harry makes some sort of like veiled threat at somebody. One of the guys says, oh, I thought Jewish people are supposed to be smart. You know, <laughs> as in like... Cool it was it, Tony, yeah. the the Italian one, who who I think it's indicated is is into some more unsavory stuff than than Harry is himself. Right, yeah, and Tony did take uh you know take a moment to point out that his father has cancer. Um, so this is all the while like Harry is like dealing with his mortality and think about his big heart issue, and then he also mentions earlier, he's like, oh, thank God it's not cancer. So, you know, just. I'm trying to find those, weave those threads, you know, where I can, but, uh, you know, Harry then meets up with Leo and they decide that he's going to try to give him, I think it was 55 K to buy the building so that they could kind of be official. And I think he's going to launder the money through Leo because at a certain point, Harry is subpoenaed for talking to a criminal, which is a violation of his probation. And, uh, you know, I think at a certain point he decides that he's going to sort of snitch and, and tell, tell Congress what, what they want to know about his enterprise and his numbers game, which is pretty funny. Like that scene. Uh, I think there's a lot of great funny scenes, but I think, you know, his sort of answers to them, it's pretty, it's like sassy, but also funny and sort of has like some nice Jewish humor moments. Um, yeah. Yeah. So th this is all part of his sort of redemption tour. Like we're talking about this sort of to true, he's getting in front of the, you know, judges and he's confessing everything and he's ratting on things. And you just kind of see, you know, the, the kind of smaller pawn that he was in the process, but it's where he admits to some of the, you know, the gambling, the racketeering. And, you know, what, what I liked about that scene also is that it sets up the elevator scene we were talking about earlier, yes, where you right. know people obviously watch this on the news. And I wrote down also a quote when I forget who it is. It's one of his relatives is watching it and she's like, oh, he's talking to our Senator. And it's just very, <laughs> You get the sense, and I wrote down the word sort of like Chil Hashem, right? Where it's sort of desecrating the name of God because he's not just representing himself as, you know, Harry, but he really, there he is like the space of a Jewish mobster. That's kind of the the weight that he's holding. And that's, that's like I was saying, the elevator scene when, you know, when she says, you know, she calls him out and says, you're, you know, you know what I think you are, Mr. Plotnik? You know, a disgrace to the Jews. And it's just like, you know, that's a Jewish angle that like wasn't necessarily explicitly highlighted in the scene, but that's kind of how we're supposed to take it. Like, oh, he was really, you know, like making the Jews look bad and kind of that's that's like this responsibility this weight that you know Harry I guess as a Jewish mobster kind of carries with him that you know other people are kind of receiving and that weighs into the way that you know we know that the rabbi of the community the one who's not necessarily approving of the takeover of the catering company you, you you're sure that you know he's kind of watching this and this is not going you know in in this is not favoring the direction of you know harry being allowed to purchase it although obviously he takes some other steps later to kind of course correct that but this feels like a real a real threat to his ambitions of you know chuva as we were talking about yeah, one of the great Shonda moments in in film, <laughs> the elevator scene. No question. 
Harry testifies um, in front of the committee. Essentially, they they want to look at his books. That becomes like a major plot point. So during the hearing, Harry has, has mentioned that he's gone into business with Leo for this catering business. So they look at Leo's books. And then Harry uh, has a meeting with his bookkeeper, who is also Max, who's also his chauffeur, who's also his dry cleaner, picker upper yep. guy. He's sort of a every, you know, everything Swiss Army guy. And Max is like, oh, yeah, I got all the books squared away. I wrote down every time we paid off a policeman. And he's like, no, get, no, don't worry. Like, that's that's awful. So he sort of it's unclear. I don't remember from the scene if he explicitly told Max to, like, burn the books. But it seems like Max had taken it upon himself to burn Harry's books. And yep. uh, yeah, that that's not great. Um, <laughs> but I but I think so. They come over and uh, they interrogate Harry after um, Harry has had his books investigated and Leo's had his books investigated. I believe Leo asks Harry to sort of get involved. I believe he says, why don't you go to synagogue? And then we are treated to a very almost like a music video t style scene where Harry is being inducted into this um, order called the Mystic Knights. And it's just a very bizarre scene with really weird costumes. But it's sort of reminding me of like the Shriners or things like that. Yeah, the, the Shriners or the Masons. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually think he, from the Simpsons. You know? Exactly. I actually yeah. think he said the Temple, which sort of you know, oh, is, oh, has, that's has what ambiguity threw me to off. it. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, right. Temple. So you of course think synagogue, and then right. it maybe because right. so, he out says to be, he was like for yeah. your reputation, you should like join the Temple. That'll join make you temple. look good in front of the rabbi. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. sure, he's going to become a member of the shul, but it's not what happens. And like every. Every mystic night had the most like New York Jewish accent ever. And it's like very clearly like a very Jewish organization, which I thought was funny. That was a good fake out on Leo's part. Yeah. Very well done. Um, and then Harry goes on to the Sammy Warner show. He gets interviewed, like we mentioned before, you know, it, it, where he's sort of forced to examine his um, methods and morals by like the host has a phone up to one ear, is listening to the caller asking the questions on Mike and then sort of repeating back. <laughs> Jack Wiley wants to know, if you're trying to make up for the past, how come you're keeping the money you made in the rackets? Harry. I ain't keeping it. I've been giving it away. I guess that answers your question, Mr. Wiley. Thank you for calling. Sort of had that little, uh, you know, um, NPR moment for Harry to kind of, you know, get a closer look at what's going on with him. We then find out that Max has set the books on fire. Uh, there's a nice sort of what what Jewish film wouldn't be complete with like a nice bathhouse scene, you know, <laughs> got to have a good schwitz in there. We then begin to close out the film with a uh, a telethon for heart disease to kind of uh, raise money for awareness, not for heart disease, but, you know, for the treatment of heart disease. And Harry thinking that he is um, on death's door because he has a very big heart um, decides to donate in a lot of money. Right. It's like after. Yeah, it's at a moment in the telethon when he's been drinking a little bit and is obviously under the weather. We've we've had him we've heard him coughing for the last couple of scenes, and he right. kind of in a very funny scene he actually collapses in the background of you know one of the performers who's just <laughs> like so singing good. a song to raise money, yeah. and he's just like, and Harry's just like collapsing in the background, and you see the director of the scene is like trying to like shape like he's like he's like mouthing out like get off, get away, get off. <laughs> so and, good. You know Harry doesn't see it, and then Harry kind of like is in this like daze, and when he's trying to be woken up, he like you know whispers to you know the 
ear of one of the people running the sort of telethon and says, you know, something he's like in the, the guy who he whispers, he was like, are you sure about that? Like, okay, he's donating $5,000. Right. <laughs> And then he comes back and, you know, he has an even bigger scare and he's surrounded by his family and they're all surrounding him. And this is the way I want it, Jack. No, Harry. Jack, please. He wants to make it 20000 in his final moment of sort of repentance, you know, he's, he's trying to give like, you know, Tzedek, he's giving this charity away. Yeah. I actually, uh, I, I wrote down something with this scene because it reminded me of this sort of like Talmudic idea that it's like, you know, a person is in this movie, you know, I think we've made it clear is, is a lot about tshuva repentance. That's sort of returning to, mm-hmm. you know, to higher standing. And there's this concept that you're supposed to do tshuva, you know, on the, like right before you die, on like the day of your death, you're supposed to do tshuva because like then, you know, you'll go into heaven, so to speak, with like, you know, clean slate. And then the question is, well, when are you like, how do you know when you're going to die? And the answer is you don't. So you just got to do it every day. And that's kind oh, of the, the sort okay. of Talmudic idea. Mm. But you get this sense that like, as like we've been saying, he's, he feels like he's facing death's door. This kind of is it. And he's just like, this is my last ditch effort. It's like all of his trying, he was trying to join the catering company. He was trying to integrate in the community. He was supporting his daughter. He went to her lingerie shows and to the dog shows. And he was trying all these things. And, you know, he kept running into setbacks, whether it was, you know, the rabbi not allowing him to buy the catering company or, you know, the the Chil Hashem that we mentioned that he makes when he's trying to when he's, when he's testifying for Congress and just, and then when he discovers, you know, what Max did with the books, like all of these little things are kind of his setbacks, the sort of plot that's, you know, going against him. And then finally in this sort of last ditch effort, he's like, I'm going to die now. Let me just unload my money, $25,000, $20,000. And, you know, that, that seems to be what he thinks is going to be his sort of final move before he's, uh, you know, ushered away to the hospital to die. Right. And so he's on the, He's on the stretcher getting loaded into the ambulance. And when he wakes up in the ambulance, he's got his entire sort of extended family hanging out with him. And, uh, you know, when he wakes up in the hospital, the doctor gives him the news that uh, he does not actually have a heart condition. He has an obstructed bowel. um, And Harry wants to confirm that this is the right stuff because, you know, he came in under a false name under the other hospital. So he does confirm with him and it turns out that he will be fine. But it also turns out that because of the charges that he admitted to while he was in the ambulance, he will be serving time for, you know, sort of cooking the books and burning them later. So he right. will serve he about admitted a year. to them because he because he wanted to protect Max because right. he thought, you know, I'm dying anyways. Let me just sort of die with the charges. And sure. then there's that funny scene where Max is like, uh, you're living now. Like, thank you so much for what you did. I heard about what you did taking the charges off me. That was very <laughs> sweet. You know, like the arson charges for for burning the books. You know, so great. as I mentioned before, as he's leaving the hospital uh, room, his entire extended family comes out and is very excited to see him. Because he donated so much, he's taking the hit for his uh, chauffeur, Max. But our closing scene of the film, we're back at a uh, wedding. I believe this is our third or fourth celebration of the film. And uh, uh, Leo's sort of prepping him that we'll see you in a year and everything will be good. And uh, we close out on the the classic um, Jewish wedding song, Ode Yashama, and then the yep. credits roll. And that's uh, that's the film. Thoughts on it? I mean, there's so much to unpack. I know I kind of breezed through a lot of it, but we could take a break here. I'll, I just want to give the payoff for something that I it. teased that I teased earlier, you know, talking about sort of what is the plot against Harry. And like, you know, it's a very intentional choice that is the film. And I think 
presumably it's that, you know, the world is sort of conspiring against him. It's this very, you know, this is an illusion that I think we've made, you know, probably in 50% of our episodes, but to the story of Job, but any sort of mm. like, you know, movie story that's sort of very, you know, melodramatic to this, to the extent that kind of a lot of sort of bad things are kind of happening to a person, you know, and it, it's similar to the Uncut Gems par- uh, parallel, which is why I, I smiled when you said that at the top. Anytime you can read that into a movie, that's just sort of a very good device, you know, for telling some of these stories. But I don't think that's the case that of what's going on here because nothing's really conspiring against him. You know, he has these great characters in his life, like Max and even his daughter who are just like always supporting him and always looking out for him. And the only person right. that seems to be getting in his way is, you know, himself and it's his sure. past that's catching up to him and it's all of his decisions. And, you know, my, my read, and this is, I don't know if you want to call this a stretch or just, you know, some wordplay that might not have been intentional, but his name is, is in the film other than the sort of fake name that he gives in that earlier scene, Harry Shapiro, his real name is, is Harry Plotnick. Right. Ooh, okay. and, I'm just, and I'm just reading into Cause Nick as like a Yiddish sort of uh, like diminutive, s- Diminutive, right. And maybe you can yeah. help me get this correct, but it's just something <laughs> like associated with, right? Like uh-huh. it's like a Yiddish. So it's Harry Plotnick, you know, Harry associated with, you know, sort of the plot. And again, like, I don't know where the intention is, but th- those are pretty specific names. It's a pretty particular name in the movie. The sort of plot against Harry is just him kind of against himself, right? It's, it's all this sort of self-inflicted stuff. It's that the only plot, you know, he wants to believe in this sort of, and he he's not as dramatic a character that, you know, is necessarily questioning in the way that, you know, he, he's actually a pretty sort of, you know, quiet, very reserved kind of person. But mm-hmm. if he wants to believe, or if someone wants to believe that there's this sort of plot against him, this sort of like divine plot, this sort of external plot, you know, he, he lost all of his ground when he was in prison and now he's getting in trouble for this. And then all of a sudden the books thing shows up. Like if he wants to believe that, that's not really what's going on. It's just himself. He, he did this all to himself. He, he did this with his choices earlier on, you know, Shuva, that's sort of like separating from your past is not so easy when your past constantly weighing in on your, on your present. You know, he doesn't know about his daughter because he, you know, he separated from his wife years ago and kind of cut off ties with her. Like there's just, everything is kind of self-imposed. So that was, that was kind of my sort of cutesy, but also I, I think really part of like, you know, the naming of the movie, the naming of the character, it's the sort of, it's the plot against himself, it's the plot neck against Harry. I think you're, you're totally right. And I actually don't think Nick is a diminutive. <laughs> I'm on the English <laughs> side of the phone. Anyway, um, <laughs> but fine. yeah, no, in, in terms of, I mean, Let's look at how he reunites with his family. Mm-hmm. He he plows a car off the road, <laughs> kills <laughs> right. the engine. Inside of the car is his ex-brother-in-law, his ex-wife, his daughter who is pregnant, <laughs> and his son-in-law right. who he has never met. Right. And they don't really hold it against him this so much. Right. <laughs> He's kind of just sort of welcomed back. He's like allowed to shadow the catering business. Right. Um, you know, you would expect that to, you know, he still kind of has family. And even this daughter who he's never met before, uh, when she gets into trouble, she moves in with him. You know, it's it's his his sister who we haven't even talked about. Oh, God, his sister is obsessed with him to the point where he's in in bed with a a sex worker and she and and these these two other women, (laughs) this woman and her her mother, like go into the room. She finds the bra of the woman who's passed out next to him, says, thank God I got the vaporizer. (coughs) Harry, you need a doctor. Let me sleep. We better go, Mother. Turn out the light, huh? I know when I'm not wanted. 
May. I mean, he's doted on. He's he's beloved. It's, no question. It's, uh, you know, he, you know, so if we want to talk about like Job, like losing his family or something like that, or if we want to, you know, talk about um, a serious man or something, you know, it doesn't yeah. really neatly fit into that. Definitely um, not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it has elements of uncut gems and elements of a serious man, but like he's right. got his friends, his family. He's got plenty of money. It seems like, you know, he's yeah, got no, plenty no of one fur is, coats. Yeah, no one yeah. no one's plotting against him. If anything, no. they're supporting him when it's not necessarily justified because we haven't seen him give enough back to them that would even warrant, you know, half of what right. they're giving him. I mean, I think, yeah, I think I think your read there, Harry, is pretty spot on. I don't think it's like too much of a stretch. I like that the sort of working in his name into the into the <laughs> so that was a, that was a good one. Good wordplay for sure. I, I dug it a lot. So that was our discussion of the plot against Harry. We'll take a quick break and be back with our ratings and final thoughts on the plot against Harry. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We are here with PJ Grissar to discuss the plot against Harry. So now we are at the point in our podcast where we discuss the film according to a few things, the cast and crew, the Jewish content, a.k.a. story, and uh, Jewish themes, as well as a bonus selection of, is this film good for the Jews? PJ, you are our guest. If you'd like, you can go first and discuss the cast and crew. Any, th any thoughts about the cast and crew? Sure. Well, we have a writer-director here who is kind of maybe not from the sort of background that you might expect uh, mm -hmm. seeing this film. He's what you'd call a yucky. You know, he's yeah. he's uh, he was from Germany and uh, was actually uh, a kinder transport kid. Uh, moved to England um, during the war, and then, like around his teenage years, moved to America and was was in Cambridge. You know, at Harvard. <laughs> so, and I think that he he did an interview with Terry Gross in uh, 1990 when this the film was showing in New York. Finally, she had sort of touched on the point that you know this is a little bit different from what his life experience is. You know, it's Ostjud and it's it's you know Eastern European Jews who have a clearly have a very deep sense of family and all these simchas like we were talking about, you know, mm -hmm. all these these events. And it was something that he didn't really have in his life. And when she mentioned that he was like, yeah, no, you know, I think you're right. If you want to psychoanalyze me, I think that yeah, I was always sort of sort of jealous of, of that kind of dynamic. Mm -hmm. So he is very Jewish, but not Jewish in the same way that Harry Plotnick and uh, everybody around him are. And then in terms of the cast, I mean, the cast is, there's really not much here in terms of long IMDb pages. You know, these are right. sort of, yeah. these are really kind of unknowns, which is remarkable because they're, they're great. <laughs> yeah. Leo was terrific. Oh, I love them. I imagine they were all Jewish, um, except for the ones who weren't playing Jewish people. Um, right. And I think that he did source them from like JCCs or something like that. So in terms of cast and crew, I would say, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty Jewish. Pretty Jewish. Yeah. Martin Priest. What else did he I, I, I did some research. I think he was. He plays Harry. Uh, he yeah. was in a few like Law and Orders over the years, right? Like that, but he was terrific. Like like you sort of mentioned uh, earlier, he's just kind of a cool as a cucumber. You know, doesn't really get too worked up about things, even when the deck is stacked against him. Like I mentioned before, I thought Leo was terrific. 
Max, when he pops in, is great. You know, his wife, Kay, uh, or ex-wife, she was great. All the characters, I thought, added like a little nice seasoning to it and, and kind of gave the film a very, very fun taste overall. I feel like because the film is so relatively short and there's so much to cover, we get nice snippets of scenes from different people. And when they're in those scenes in, in those different environments, they get to shine in different ways. And uh, yeah, but overall, I, I would agree with you. You know, the cast is very, very fairly, fairly Jewish. Yeah. Harry, anything to add on the cast and crew? I was going to say not, nothing much to add other than to repeat that, but this definitely, this movie feels like it's a lot of, it's sort of a Jewish, it's a world filled with Jewish characters, you know, right. and to, I assume like you're saying, you know, these small time players from the JCCs, like it's just real Jews who had real Jewish lives that are just kind of inhabiting it. And, and the movie really, it benefits from that. Like it feels it, you know, it doesn't feel like this is someone approximating Jewishness. It just feels like someone acting as they normally do because they are right. Jewish and that's, sure. you know, to the credit of the film for sure. And as far as like the Jewish content, I had a, th- a lingering thought or a question initially when Harry drives out of jail, you know, and, and passes these like Jewish butcher signs and things like that. I don't know the answer. So this is just maybe a hypothetical, but feel free to answer. Like what neighborhood do you think Harry is leaving? Is he leaving like downtown Manhattan driving past the Lower East Side? And that's where he sees it. Is he up in Harlem and passing it when it was like Jewish Harlem? Is he in Brooklyn? Any thoughts? I thought Harlem, but I could be completely wrong. I think that he had he had alluded to, you know, sort of growing up around there. And, you know, of course, Harlem, when he would have been growing up, would have been pretty Jewish. Right. Um, it would have also been pretty Italian. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we, of course, see these people he's working with who are Puerto Rican, who I think, yeah, in the in the 60s would, would have there would have been a lot of that going on as well. So I think it's Harlem. I'm I'm not entirely positive. It, I, I lived in East Harlem for many years and it sort of felt like that, but yeah, I would have to look into it. Sure. Let's talk about the content, right? The, the Jewish plot points of the film. Um, I will say for myself, I might uh, keep it short and sweet and save, uh, save, you know, save my stuff for the themes. But as far as like the content, you know, the set pieces themselves happen to be very Jewish. The Simchas work into the plot you know, I think if he was like in a different business where Leo didn't happen to do catering, we wouldn't have been treated to these amazing scenes. But then again, we wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be such a Jewish film if we didn't have them. But his traditional sort of redemption story, guy gets out of jail and reconnects with his family and, you know, hilarity ensues. I would say that overall content for me, story-wise specifically, is not so super Jewish. I'm going to draw a clear delineation and say like the the events that he went to were Jewish. But mm. like I said, those are sort of circumstantial because he gets into the the catering biz. I would agree with you. I think that a redemption arc is is not a fundamentally Jewish thing necessarily. Right. You know, that feels a little more Christian to me. Um, obviously, you know, the themes of Teshuva and things like that and, and Tzedakah, him giving back to the community, things like that. You know, it's Jewish, in, as you said, in, in as much as uh, it's playing off within a Jewish sort of milieu. When we think about Jewish stories, we don't necessarily think of... Uh, <laughs> of someone coming out of jail and uh, right. maybe we should though i don't know you know there are all kinds all kinds of different <laughs> Jews. Jews have exactly yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. i'm reading the kushner memoir right now so <laughs> right. that's part exactly. of that 
Harry, what about yourself? I definitely, I think I'm thinking of this content question a little bit differently because, you know, sort of that story thematically, you know, is what I was going to focus on a little bit more in themes just because the content for me at least was where this movie really shines in terms of its Jewishness okay. because Great. I, I just thought, and you know, I, I want to collect my thoughts on this, but I, I really just thought that these characters and just this movie just really, like I was saying with the characters, it just sort of inhabited a Jewish world. And in a way that I thought was so powerful because of how backgrounded it was. And because of so like how assumed it was like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I agree with you guys that the plot kind of departs and the plot has all these, you know, redemption stories that don't have to do with it. Yeah. But to me, it was just, there was something so, you know, obviously Jewish, about this from the way that they didn't bother explaining what was going on in the yeah, world and right, they didn't even right, right. use it and they didn't even use it for a sort of climactic comedic or dramatic effect like we, we just spoke about a serious man actually we just did an episode on it and there there's this huge scene that they're kind of leading up to it's you know the kid's bar mitzvah and it's mm-hmm. like the bar mitzvah is the set piece for this like huge climactic moment of like yeah. reconciliation with the parents and this dramatic like you know will he or won't he like lane his parsha but mm-hmm. what i thought was so cool about this movie is that there were so many of those sequences. There was, there were weddings, there were bar mitzvahs, right. there was, there was a bris, which I love. There was a great scene where they just kind of pull out a scalpel and I was just like, I know what's going on yeah. here. But <laughs> what's just so cool about it is that it just like, none of those are actually the climactic scenes. So in terms of just sort of backgrounding and like planning your world in planning your story rather mm-hmm. in a Jewish world and just letting it kind of exist as a Jewish world without bothering to a explain it and be kind of front and center and as the sort of punchline or as the sort of point of the movie to me was like, I, I just thought that was so cool. Like this really, cause I agree with you guys that the plot, it's not such a Jewish story, but it, it certainly exists in a Jewish world. So that, that's a lot of points for me in terms of the content, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I think now you're making me reconsider how we look at Jewish content. Cause I like, I don't want uh, to discredit any of the those amazing simple scenes, you know, like all the bar mitzvahs and the weddings and the and the you know the bris and things like that. That definitely added to it. But I do think you're right. Like because Harry's a Jewish racketeer and he has a Jewish family and this is his world, this is what we'll see. And like I I do like the fact that we're not treated to this. Okay, here's what a bar mitzvah is, and here's yep. what it. This is just like yep. here's what's going to happen. Take it or leave it. It's it's if you take the bare bones of the story, it's definitely not dependent on any sort of Jewishness. You know, that doesn't necessarily yes. like you could say that drives, you know, the affectations of the characters, some of the decisions they make, like mm-hmm. in a in a cultural way, maybe, but it doesn't actually drive any of the plot. It's just like you could tell this exact beat for beat story about, you know, like we were talking about some, you know, Italian person that came back to his Italian community, you know, in Harlem, like after he was in, you know, in jail or something like that. But that that's what I thought was so cool about this movie, that it didn't depend on its Jewishness but it really was just it, it existed in its Jewishness like we were saying do we think the humor is Jewish that's that's a good question that's a that's a great question I mean I think there's a lot of I mean so much of it is you know the fact that like Harry's you know ailment mystery ailment is is related to his digestion I think that's <laughs> that's a fairly Jewish joke I think the way that he like talks to figures of authority is fairly Jewish in terms of just sarcastic and dry there's a lot of funny lines that I wrote down in some of the scenes that like could have been in a Mel Brooks film just because they weren't played for humor. They were just said fairly straightforward and they came off like very funny. So I, to me, I thought it was pretty, a 
Jewish. And now that you mention it, there's definitely a sort of, you know, I, I almost call it like a Yiddish sensibility to the very sort of woe is me, you know, plot of, of Harry and just the way that he conceives of this as the plot against Harry. And I, I definitely think that's a part of it. That That's very fair. Did you also see that in there? Was there like a Jewish oh, yeah. humor to this? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah. a lot of the setups and punchlines, you know, are very explicitly Jewish too, right. obviously. I yeah. mean, Max in the car, uh, you know, chauffeuring uh, Mrs. Pomerantz around, who is mm-hmm. who married Jewish. Um, right. And I think we can kind of tell that. Um, but he, he wants to see like... Your maiden name, Brodsky? What are you talking about? Well, my mother says maybe we're related. I mean, distantly. I don't think so. I'll tell you a secret. I'm not even Jewish. Oh. Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely think that that there is is kind of and even yeah, like the pattern of of Jewish humor and the rhythm and and all of that, sure. which is interesting because it's like I don't I don't believe that Michael Romer came from like a Yiddish speaking home or or uh, people who you know were, were were going to like the Yiddish vaudeville or anything like that. Right. I think that they were yeah, like like many Germans, they were German speaking, you know. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to sort of see him do that and uh, really sort of pull it off. And a lot of it is probably to the credit of the cast. Um, Definitely. The casting. So yeah. did he yeah. did he write this film as well? He did. Yeah. Wow. He's he's really an auteur. He you know, he he I think has refused in in his various phases where someone rediscovers something that he did, which is basically happened with every film that he's released. <laughs> It's always an issue of, you know, someone will like approach him and they'll be they'll they'll have some project that they want him to direct as a journeyman. And he he hadn't been interested in that, which I think is why he has sort of a limited filmography. So let's move on to the penultimate category here. We got Jewish themes, you know, a lot to say about this one. Harry, you want to kick it off? Since this movie is named for, I mean, you're named after this movie. We know that, right? The, the plot against me, exactly. I'll, I'll ask my parents, honestly. I'll confirm that with them. I okay, guess, uh, mom, dad, when you hear this, just text me. I want, I want to have that conversation. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, you, you say that we have a lot to say here. And we, we've spoken about, you know, all the, the themes of, you know, Teshuva. And we spoke about the themes of... Um, uh, just like, you know, the, the morality of it, I wrote something down about sort of like, there is a concept for like, you know, there is like a, you know, sort of halakhic Jewish, like sort of lost status for someone who's a gambler. It's referred to as like masachic bekevia, you know, someone sort of who engages in sort of gameplay and like that does actually challenge their, you know, sort of their, their standing within the community. So the sort of, you know, the rabbi kind of saying, you know, gambling money, I'm not sure. Like there, there's clearly an interplay there. And I do think that there are a lot of like sort of grander themes that we we certainly read some Jewishness in. But I do want to be consistent with kind of the case that I think I and a couple of us were just making, you know, talking about the content and how this that like we were saying, you know, there, there's redemption here. But that's, you know, that's a little bit more universal than specifically being about sort of teshuva. And I think that, you know, the thematically, I know we were talking about the humor a little bit. And I don't know if that crosses into themes, but just sort of like the setup and just the characterization of them. I do think that there's some Jewishness, but I don't want to talk myself into a higher rating because honestly for, for theme, it, it was there, but like, like I was saying before, you could have transplanted the sort of plot points and even the themes of this movie onto a different story. And you might not have lost so much in terms of, uh, you know, just the cohesiveness and the coherence, and the, uh, the coherence of the movie itself. So, you know, I'm not going to give my, my final rating until we all go, but the themes weren't the most Jewish to me, you know, okay. after all this thought, you yeah. know, PJ. 
Yeah, I'd agree with Harry. Yeah, it, 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 a lot a lot of what we're dealing with thematically could really fit into sort of any kind of culture. Right. Yeah, even just in terms of if we want to say like, oh, thematically, it's it's about family and reconnecting with your family. I mean, you, you, how much more ecumenical can you get? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in that sense, thematically, maybe not the most Jewish, but not a knock against it, because I don't think that there's anything wrong with telling a story that has a broader appeal, obviously but is also unapologetically uh, and very uh, decidedly non-didactically Jewish. Right. It's interesting. I usually come in a little uh, less than on the themes, but I felt like for me, there was a lot of a lot of things that, like you said, PJ, could be applied to like any culture. But if we're looking at it through our Jewish lens, let's hit it right. So there's this there's this kind of concept on Yom Kippur, like the day of repentance, where like the way to sort of all aboard this stretch train, Harry. <laughs> but you know, there's there's a couple uh, there's a couple of things we say to kind of like overturn a decree against you. You have like teshuva, where it's like repentance and and uh, you know returning and things like that, and tefillah, prayer, and then you also have tzedakah, which is like charity. So Harry has two of the three by my count, right? So he gave he gave charity, and he's doing teshuva, repentance, things like that. So. Again, stretch train, fully admit it. But, you know, this also notion of like Jewish guilt from his family, he does get a bit of that. Um, This The notion of Jewish family and like extended Jewish family and then the extended family treating you like their family so they can give you guilt. Like this is like an ex-brother-in-law's da-da-da. And like it's all kind of lumped into the same bucket. And, you know, this idea of of getting into food, a lot of – a lot of lot of stuff to say about it Very there. True. Yeah. So you know, I think for me, I think the themes were were stronger. It's hard to to delineate because you know I want to. I don't know what bucket to put all the the ceremonies we witnessed, like thematically or content wise. But you know, I thought for, for a theme, you know, and then just the sort of uh, the irony of the fact that his disease was nothing, like this obsession with disease. Also, you know. There's a few there's a few stops on the stretch train, but I feel like there's something there. Ratings wise, though, let's talk numbers. As you know, in honor of Harry, who was a numbers guy, let's talk <laughs> our numbers. You know, sure. PJ, how did you feel about this film on a scale of one to five Jewish stars, taking into account all of our things we just talked about? I would give it a four. I think that it's hard to find a more Jewish movie. Okay, challenge accepted, yeah. Harry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like conflicted with that too because I think. I do. I, I did appreciate the sort of case that we made against the themes. And I heard what you're saying, Daniel, and definitely you, you actually gave me more plot stuff because you were talking about like the meat and the center on like food and the catering and like the sharing of food. And like, that is just, it's such a strong, you know, Jewish connector as it is with a lot of cultures, but you know, it, it, I, I don't want to give this too low a score because it, it it's so Jewish and it's so much Jewish likeness in its blood. But I guess mm-hmm. by the metrics we've come up with in terms of discussing themes and the fact that I didn't think this was so thematically dependent on its Jewishness, I'll still give it a 3.5, you know, three and a half stars, a lot like strong cast and crew, strong content, you know, just a little bit to be desired. There are some movies that really take on very, you know, that we've discussed that take on very intrinsically Jewish themes, or at least we've convinced ourselves of that. Mm -hmm. And I think this 
I might rewatch this and go back and go all the way up to four, but you know, for the sake of also diversifying some of our recent scores, I'm going to stick with the 3.5 just to peel back the, uh, the hood a little bit. I might be great again on a curb. I mean, it's not that they're <laughs> on the roof. It's not Yantel, but yeah. it's, it's the only reason that we have to kind of score correct. Cause we give this the 4.5. Then I think Fiddler has to be like a six or something, Yeah, right. right. But, but this definitely is a very Jewish movie. And I would, you know, my 3.5 is, is obviously more Jewish than not because there is so much Jewishness to this movie and it was such a fun watch. For sure. Daniel, what do you think about it? I agree. I mean, this had a very high SPM, you know, simchas per movie. It was like <laughs> sure. four, four at least by my count, you know, plus there's like the health scare. So that could technically be considered like a celebration or whatever. I, I thought overall, I really enjoyed the idea of the film it took me a minute to kind of like soak in the way that the story was told at this frenetic pace which could also i don't know maybe that's a jewish thing but maybe not i don't know i would say overall i'd go like three you know i thought it was anything above a two and a half i would say is more jewish than not you know by virtue of the fact that we're going out of five so i'd go like three stars but you know just bonus round if we have time for that i would say let's talk about the film is this film good for the jews i would say no it's for the jews ah um no i i, I mean i think that uh yeah there <laughs> if you were listening to this podcast right now and you find the plot against harry on youtube you may be one of like i don't know I think I think your listenership might be the only people watching it. <laughs> so it, it's sort of, it's sort of um, a well kept secret. I think I think that in, if we want to talk about um, you know oh I mean it, it, this theme of him being a, a Shonda or Hulul Hashem you know him on the elevator him being a disgrace I mean that's <laughs> I mean it goes back to Duddy Kravitz or whatever I mean you know there this. Uh, this notion of of him being uh, bad for the Jews because he's doing something not entirely uh, legal. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it, it's all uh, listening to some of your other episodes. It, it seems to be the metric is really, uh, oh, what if Gentile eyes get onto this and what mm -hmm. do they think? Right. That's that's right. it. And, you know, I think that it might uh, bolster some some stereotypes and some some unflattering uh you know views that people might have about jews um but then at the end i also think that harry is a deeply uh human character and he he's someone with compassion mm -hmm. and he's someone who's by no means perfect but is trying in his way to uh you know be a part of his children's lives and uh sort of reintegrate into the community and i think that um, I think that most people would be able to get behind that and realize that he's maybe not necessarily a surrogate for the entire Jewish people. And uh, even if he they're choosing to treat him that way, he, uh, you know, he's he's not an all out villain. Right. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think about that? Good for the Jews? Um, I think I'll probably go closely, you know, I'll probably align closely with what PJ was saying. Like on, on the surface, initially our portrayal of Harry is not so favorable, but like his surrounding characters kind of make up the difference. And, you know, in the end they come together for him, show the value of like family and, and things like that. So I'll go like lukewarm, you know, it's not like a hugely positive portrayal of Jewish people in this film. I think you'd probably have to like do a little bit of digging 
but you know, it's okay for the juice. Harry, what about yourself? You know, it's funny. Normally when I, and I think about a lot of these movies, it's also, you know, I'm, I'm weighing all those factors, you know, who's mm-hmm. watching this, what's the context, how did they right. discover it? And I'm very, you know, I've, I've stuck, if you track, you know, some of my previous answers, it's a lot of sort of like right in the middle and good, bad, but you know what? I watched this movie and I felt pretty unambiguously that this was good for the Jews. I, okay. you know, I think it goes back to what we were saying at the, at the very beginning of this episode, when I was talking about just sort of, you know, all representation is good representation as long as, long right. as you see people. And obviously mm-hmm. that's to a certain extent, but you know, no one in this movie was particularly hateful. You know, Harry is obviously the only one that you could in theory, but he just, he's just trying to figure it out. Yeah. He's made some dumb choices, but he's not like mean spirited. He gets excited when he learns of his daughter and he's, you know, a present father as much as he can be. And he has, you know, nice, he's, he doesn't take advantage of anyone. He's a little bit, he's rude to Max in a certain scene. There's one scene yeah. where he says, you know, take $200 for yourself and get out of my life. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that part, fine. Maybe that scene was not the best look for the Jews, but for the most part, all the side characters I thought were very charming and great. It's like I was saying, it's not, it's not sort of, you know, fetishizing the sort of Jewish experience and kind of highlighting in Austin, like, you know, highlighting how strange these kind of customs are. It's just like, no, this is the world. This is the reality for a lot of Jews in the sixties. And it really, you know, continues to be the reality for a lot of Jews. Now they have these family simchas. There's a lot of food, people, you know, hang out, take care of each other. So to me, this was just an awesome portrait of Jewish life. And I just, yeah, good for the Jews. I want people to see this and be like, oh, you know, Jews are real people. Some of them are criminal gamblers and racketeers, and some of them are just, you know, nice for their families, just trying to make their businesses successful, raise some money. So I feel pretty good about this. Good for the Jews, for sure. Nice. PJ Grissard, thank you so much for joining us today on Jews on Film. I really appreciate you taking time to speak with us. Uh, about the plot against Harry. Thanks for turning us on to this film. I had not heard of it sure. prior to would this. Not have, yeah. yeah, would not have known of it had you not yeah. recommended it. Yeah, you I have, definitely wanted to bring a deep cut. No, I would say this definitely qualifies as a deep cut. I wanted to ask at this time if there's anything you'd like to plug or promote. Really just myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> so you can find my writing at forward.com. So far, Andrew Yang's uh, political party and um, the concierge healthcare company have not managed to get a hold of that domain name quite yet. And uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, My handle is my name, P-J-G-R-I-S-A-R. And uh, that's about it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you you, uh, turning us onto this film. Fun fact, as we close out the episode, so like you mentioned before, the film was released uh, in 1971 and had a very short run at the Blue Mouse Theater in Seattle. So shout out to Seattle for for understanding and recognizing cool movies and playing them just for a short time before it was quickly snatched away. Harry, I'm not plotting against you anymore. We've resolved our beef, but I wanted to ask. Survive the episode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You've made it to another episode. I wanted to ask, speaking of beef, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Food wise, what do you got cooking? You know, nothing, nothing really on my front. We just uh, moved into a new place, got some new stuff, but I'll give a shout out to my wife, Jess, who cooked a really good looking challah and soup this week that I hope to enjoy tonight. Jess, shout out to you if you're listening and congrats on your new home in New York. You know, maybe you'll run into Harry and his cronies uh-huh. on the streets. Just be careful. Be on the lookout. Yeah, exactly. Don't mess around with him. Well, uh, you know, Make sure to listen to Jews on Film wherever you can. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube eventually. And uh, make sure to rate us five stars. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. 
Jews on Film is hosted and produced by Harry Ottensasser and Daniel Zana. Daniel and Harry edited this episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Jews on Film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>